What's up producers, it's Sam Matler here and this is the EDM Podcast, a show where I typically interview artists, engineers uh, and people in the industry. But today, today's a little bit different. I'm going to do a question and answer episode. So I've done one of these before uh, quite a while back. I can't remember what episode it was. I, th- I think it was maybe episode 9 or episode 10. Uh, but anyway, I thought I'd do another one because I get quite a lot of questions uh, via email, Facebook, etc. And sometimes it's good to just answer them all at once. Episode 9, uh, by the way, is the, the last question and answer episode. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to answer some questions I've got via email and Twitter. I sent out an email and I sent out some tweets asking for questions. Now before we get into it, there's just two things to mention. The first is that uh, the Ultimate Guide to Remixing is now out. So you can check that out at edmproduct.com. You should be able to find it there. I'm not going to list the link (laughs) because it's a little bit too long. Uh, And the second thing is that I'm running an Instagram contest. So if you're listening to this before March 16, uh, you'll be able to enter this. Head over to instagram.com slash edmprodgram or you know, find me on your phone uh, and scroll down until you see the tag to win image. And on that, you'll see some instructions. Basically, if you follow uh, the EDM Prod Instagram account and you tag a producer friend in the comments, you'll be entered in to win a copy of the producer's guide to workflow and creativity. Uh, the complete package that is, it's worth about $90. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get into these questions now, uh, starting with Adam, and I hope I pronounce it right, Adam, and he asks, what are the priorities for upcoming producers in terms of learning about music, uh, music slash production, etc.? So this is a good question, and it's a hard one to answer because there's no definite path, uh, and you can ask you can ask like 10 different people this question and you, you'll get different answers every time. What I would say is it's most important when you're starting to really focus on the music. And this is just my opinion. I must disclaim that uh, because a lot of people get bogged down in the technical. That is, you know, you see new producers focusing on or they ask about how to master their tracks, which is just not, it shouldn't be a priority when you're starting. You need to start with the fundamentals. Because at the end of the day, we are making music. If you're a mixing engineer, sure, it's a little bit different. But as a producer, a bedroom producer, an artist, an electronic artist, your goal is to make music. And to do that effectively, I was going to say efficiently, but effectively, you need to learn the fundamentals of music. So I always recommend starting with very basic music theory. If you don't know anything, if you're starting from absolute scratch, you do need to learn the basic concepts of music, music theory, like what is a chord? What does rhythm mean? What does pitch mean? Uh, you need to start there. And the other thing I would recommend, and I've written about this before in various different articles, but you have to, especially at the start, not put too much pressure on yourself because it won't be fun if you do. And at the end of the day, you want it to be fun. So... To go back to the question, what are the priorities? I think first is experimentation. Learning everything and anything 
And over time, over the period of, say, six months, you'll start to get a feel for what you really need to learn or what you don't know. And often that will be music theory. And it might be how to use an EQ, how to use compression, um, basic sound design. But definitely at the start, just experiment. It's very important. And so from then on, you, you know, you start learning more specialized things. Um, I have written, written an article on this called The Five Stages of an Electronic Music Producer. And I kind of lay out what I think is the best path uh, for producers. So you can go check that out. Um, I think you'll find it in the sidebar on, on the website. It's one of the more popular posts. John asks, how can I avoid the muffled sound uh, when recording vocals or in vocals? And he says he's struggling with this on a new track. Two things, and I'm not a recording expert, so please, so please take this with, with a grain of salt, but you need to have a good mic and you need to have a good vocalist. Those are the two most important things required uh, to get good vocals. And beyond that, yes, there's EQ, there's compression, but if you have a muffled sound going in, uh, there isn't a huge amount of stuff you can do to fix that. So you need to have a good mic to start with. You need to have a vocalist who knows at least a little bit about recording or who can be trained. Tristan asks, what are some good tips and tricks you use to keep your mind focused on your music? while working in the door do you have a tune in your head before entering the door and lay it down as you hear it in your head or do you start from scratch find a sound and let that sound spark creativity and go from there like you mentioned on your website uh so the latter like the finding a sound and letting that sound spark creativity that's definitely me uh that's normally how i start a track and the way it works is it might be a sample or a chord progression or a melody. Uh, sometimes I might have a little idea in my head, but normally it's starting from a blank canvas and kind of just playing around. And once something's down, it always leads to the next thing. And you'll find this as well if it, as you start producing for a while that you lay like a, a clap sample down and then immediately this new idea pops up in your head well, if I have that clap sample there, I could put a hat sample here. I know what hat, su- hat sample I need to use and so on. Um, so that's that's the way it works for me. In regards to the first question, what are some good tips and tricks you use to keep your mind focused on your music? And I think what he means is um, how do you not go off track with your music? So the first thing that has to be said is that you should go off track. Uh, the essence of creativity is trying new things. And unless you're working on a very specific piece of work, let's say for a client, like your ghost producing, uh, you should definitely let yourself veer off track. It makes sense to. You can come up with something new, something that you haven't or something you didn't think about before. But to stay focused on the act of actual music production, um, there are a few things you need to do. And I've talked about this so many times, but it's so important. Uh, you need to turn your internet connection off. You need to set a time block uh, where you're only going to work on music and nothing else. You need to turn your phone off. You need to lock your door. You need to get rid of all distractions possible. And I know this sounds pedantic, but it's very important. And if you talk to any you know, highly successful creative person, 
let's say, and they don't have to be a producer, like, like a writer, um, painter, they'll say the same thing. You need to avoid as much distraction as you can. Shane asks, how do you structure a track with intro, intro melody, synth melody drop? Uh, look, the, the best way to learn structure is to copy structure. And I really don't understand why people are opposed to this because, you know, I'll, I'll tell people this. Sam, how do I learn structure? Well, you take a track that you like that's professionally produced, you drag it into your door and you analyze the structure and then if you want to copy it, you can. No one is going to know that you've copied the structure of, you know, track X or track Y. In fact, a lot of dance music follows exactly the same structure. So that's what I'd recommend. I recommend copying the structure. It is not cheating. Um, so don't feel like it's cheating. It is probably cheating if you copy the, <laughs> the chord progression, the melody and so on. I, I would not advise you do that. But the structure, the structure is something that is very fundamental, or very basic. It's not very unique normally. Uh, so I would just do that. Dovi asks three questions. The first is, do you make much music these days? I've looked around and I can't find almost anything from you recently. Where can I find it if you have put out some stuff? Um, <laughs> this is funny. I, I just put out a song yesterday, but I do make a lot of music. A lot of it stays under wraps uh, for various reasons. But one thing I'll say is that I don't, focus on myself as an artist that much a lot of my time and a lot of my focus and effort goes towards edm prod so a lot of the production i do is normally for a purpose relating to edm prod whether that's learning uh, putting together something like an stf start to finish but i definitely still make music for myself uh, and i am working on an album this year hence why there isn't much stuff coming up but yes i did put out a track yesterday uh, you can check that out at soundcloud.com slash sam metler his second question is what are your thoughts on uses of reverb specifically on parts of a track that don't have breath or breathe areas so that the backing synths are just playing constantly wouldn't that just take up unnecessary space? What about reverb on drums during such a part as well? I feel like it's best to keep it as tight as possible. Thoughts? It's a hard question to answer because it depends so much on the context. Uh, but I'll try to answer it. So, as I understand it, he's talking about a drop where you've got backing synths playing and there's not a huge amount of space. Should you use reverb? Uh, it really depends on what kind of sound you're using and how that sound sounds. If the sound is too dry, let's say it's your lead, if the sound is too dry and it's a bit jarring, then yes, you should chuck a bit of reverb on it. The mistake a lot of people make is they add too much reverb. You don't need to add that much reverb. Sometimes a decay time of 300 milliseconds and maybe like 10% wet, while unnoticeable, does make a huge difference. Using reverb on the drums, uh, it can definitely be done. So one thing I like to do is I make like a make a drums bus. So I group the drums together, and then use a send track with a very short reverb and a low size, and kind of just send a little bit to that, and it gives this illusion of you know these drums are being played in a in a hall, not a hall, but like a a room. And his last question is, what sort of advice besides listening to tracks would you have for a, and he 
he puts in brackets, experienced in certain genres producer who wants to try out other genres. How do you learn about the specifics in producing, mixing in unfamiliar genres? Uh, I would do two things. And the first you've kind of mentioned is listen to tracks. Uh, that That is really what it comes down to. You have to listen to a lot of music in that genre. Uh, the second thing is remaking tracks in that genre. You will learn even more doing that. And the third thing is watching tutorials and seeking out advice from people from the top people in that genre or at least the top people who share advice so Evan says that he's recently gone into producing about a week ago and he has no musical background whatsoever he says since I'm so fresh to producing I have a lot of questions regarding produce production such as where should I start I have a few people telling me that I should take a music theory class and other people telling me I should just research as much as possible about music theory. I also have other people telling me that I need to learn how to work Ableton first and then go into music theory. And then he says, I believe I'm going to learn about music theory first though. With that said, I'm just wondering what you think about creating melodies, chords, and what key is best for dubstep house, mid-tempo, etc. So, I've kind of answered this question in the beginning in terms of where should you start. You should start with experimentation, especially if you've been producing a week uh, and you should definitely learn how to use Ableton, at least the basics. You don't need to learn all the tip, all the tricks, all the keyboard shortcuts, but learn enough to navigate around and then start experimenting. And yes, you can definitely learn music theory alongside. I think it will help a lot. Regarding the, the last part of the question, what you th- what I think about creating melodies, chords, and what cares best for dubstep house, uh, it's really, it's kind of a non-question because you can use any key for dubstep, you can use any key for house, any key for mid-tempo, and sure, there there's probably going to be differences in the sense that a lot of dubstep uh, will have will be in like F, F sharp, G, simply because it's a very bass driven kind of genre. And you might find a few more major, or a few house songs and, and major keys compared to dubstep. But um, there are no rules here. You can use any key for any genre. We'll leave, okay. Jarek asks, is it better to EQ, you know, add compression, automate sounds in the arrangement stage, or leave everything intact, Maybe adjust the levels a bit and do this in the mixing stage. Uh, There's no definite answer again to this. I prefer to kind of add most of my automation at the end. Uh, But again, this this is kind of changing, which is interesting. I I do a lot of mixing as I go nowadays um, just because I find it starts to fit. It's fitting my current workflow a bit better. So I would try both multiple times, maybe like, make five tracks where you uh, do EQ and automation in the arrangement stage or you mix as you go. Make five tracks where you leave it all to the end and see what works best for you. Deanna asks, are you worried about oversaturation? Actually, she asks a few questions. Are you worried about oversaturation of the EDM market? Are there really unlimited music options out there that we can continue festivals and stuff? For example, we are at EDC Las Vegas year 20. Will it continue until 40 or 60 or does it have the chance of dying out? I think it has a chance of dying out just like every genre does. Um, 
I mean, there are much less rock festivals than there were 20 or 30 years ago. Same with hip-hop. This is the nature of of the music industry. Things come and go. Do I think EDM is a bubble that's going to pop or has popped? I don't know. I don't think so. I certainly don't think it's at its peak yet. Um, And I think there's always going to be a market. So, you know, since the 80s, really, you've had this underground dance music industry or scene that will always be there it's still there at the moment um so am i worried about oversaturation no i'm not worried about oversaturation uh, i think the more people that make electronic music is uh, the more people that make electronic music the better obviously there's drawbacks to that which is that you get a lot of low quality music but that's to be expected her second question is how could you not compare yourself to others when it's only other music that's inspired you it's a really good question uh, and and to some degree there's an inevitable comparison. It's very hard not to compare yourself. What's important is that when you find yourself comparing yourself to others or your music to professionally made music, you have to understand the difference in time spent. So it's very easy for a producer of one year to make a track to follow all these tricks and tips and techniques and advice, make a song, feel proud of it, and then listen to that song that they love by that artist that they love. And then they hear that and they go, you know what, my track really sucks. What they're not taking into consideration is the fact that artist X has spent 10 years or more on their craft and they've spent one year so I think you're going to compare yourself you can't help it but you have to be very conscious and aware of the difference in skill the difference in knowledge the difference in time spent and you have to understand that this is a a process it's a long process and the music you make now you're going to look back on in a year or two <laughs> and sometimes a month and go wow that wasn't too good but I've improved a lot so whenever possible you should compare yourself at the moment to what you were or your music at the moment to what it was and if it's worse then something's up and you've got to work on that but normally 99% of the time it's going to be better and you should feel proud of that Every time I open my laptop, I have no idea what I'm doing and it makes me lose the element of having fun since I'm already so confused and feel so generic. Any other way to go about it to keep on going? So I used to have this problem too and the way I kind of fixed it, and I don't know if this is the right way, but it worked for me. I just spent a lot of time learning. So I didn't put any pressure on myself to make music. I instead watched a ton of YouTube tutorials I read, quite a few books, you know, on music theory and stuff like that. And what happened after a period of of maybe weeks is I wasn't confused anymore. And I would learn something, say from a YouTube tutorial, like a technique, and I would want to put that into action. And I would, and I'd be able to because I wasn't confused. So I would recommend at least trying this, at least spending a bit of time learning, just watching YouTube tutorials. Um, and I think doing that is fun. So hopefully that helps. 
Okay, we've got two more questions here. So Patrick asks, how do electronic music producers do successfully in a country with a limited market for this genre? I don't really think that living in a certain country is that much of an issue anymore, especially with the internet. Um, And in a way, if you have incredibly, if you have great music, it really doesn't matter where you live. But if a manager or a label recognizes talent, like extreme talent, they're not going to care where you live. Okay, so again, make connections, focus on your music. The country you live in isn't going to matter too much in the end. And the final question is from Rigo. He asks, if you if you had to choose only one synth and one effect to use for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> I ask this question in interviews a lot and now I'm on the receiving end of it and it's actually quite difficult. Uh, I would say, I would choose Serum. Um, I love Serum as a synth. And the effect I'd choose, you know, I want to cheat and say I'd use like a a multi-effect plugin like um, Isotope Ozone. But I, I yeah, I won't do that, it's cheating. You know, honestly, I love the, uh, the multi-band compressor from Ableton, Ableton Live Multiband. Multiband Dynamics is what it's called. I would just use that because um, you can effectively use it as an EQ as well. So I might be cheating again, but I love that plugin. Um, I use it on a lot of stuff. Yeah, that would be my answer. All right, guys, so that concludes the Q&A. I hope you got some value out of it. I'll probably do another one of these, I don't know, maybe in a few months. I might do a live one if you're interested in me doing a live one on like Periscope or Facebook, uh, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at EDMProd. Otherwise, have fun producing. <laughs>